for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Two, one, and welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. I am your host today, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by my fellow Blitzpod mate, Tyler North. Uh, good to see you, man. We did uh, some business over the weekend in fantasy, or just last night, I believe. Um, your Vikings beat my commanders, which was uh, sad to see. It was coming down to the wire there. Uh, Kirk Duggins, I hate to see him so happy somewhere else, but I mean, give your roses. What do you think of the game real quick? Uh, I mean, I picked Washington in our. Also, good seeing you as well. I might 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 want to add that. And uh, yeah, it was we, we got a deal done late last night. Um, you know how much I loved Kenneth Walker, and uh, you you dangled the bait right in front of me, and and I took it. I thought I thought it was a pretty even trade for those listening. It was Kenneth Walker, DeAndre Hopkins, and Mahomes, mm-hmm. or was that no no Najee Harris, Mahomes, and DeAndre Hopkins for Kenneth Walker, Justin Fields, and Mike Williams. Uh, my wide receivers are really good. My running backs are absolutely terrible. Um, so I felt like I needed to upgrade at running at running back. And Kane, you coincidentally enough, did not have the best receivers, so you needed to upgrade there, and it worked out well, I think. So, um, yeah, no, great, great doing business with you there. And you know, back to the the Vikings Commanders game. I, you know, I in our pick'em, I picked the Washington uh, to to win that game. I thought it was a typical trap game. And uh, with about 10 minutes left in the game, it was looking like that because uh, the commanders had a, a 10.17-7 lead. Um, Vikings did what they did best. They got a very timely interception from Harrison Smith with, with the best celebration this entire year. I know it's biased. I don't care it's the whole celebration. It was the with best. Jordan Hicks being the final pin it was, the was, was absolutely hilarious. Um, and then Kirk Cousins delivered an absolute dime, and Dalvin Cook made an incredible one-handed catch. Uh, Vikings went down and just milked the clock and kicked the field goal at the end. Um, so, you know, they escaped once again with a one-possession victory. Am I that ecstatic about it? Absolutely not. But on the road in the NFL, you got to do what you got to do to get a win. And that's what this Vikings team does. You know, every single game besides week one, every single win, I should say, besides week one, has been a one-possession game. And they did it again this week. Going up to Orchard Park and playing the Bills and Bills Mafia. Going to be a big-time test. Absolutely the game of the week. I might want to throw that out there. Six and two Bills, seven and one Vikings should be an absolute dandy of a game. I think the Bills still win, but I just want the Vikings to show up. And their schedule coming up is a gauntlet. They've got at Buffalo, home against Dallas, home against New England, home against the Jets. So it's there, there's some winning teams, and we're going to find out what the Viking team is made of. I was listening to Ryan Clark kind of talking some crap on the Vikings saying how, you know, by four weeks from now, we might be looking at the Vikings at being seven and five instead of seven and one. We'll see. Um, but yeah, no, it was it, the, the Washington game was, it was exciting. I'll, I'll definitely say that. Uh, I'm glad the boys came out on top, but uh, your guys front, 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 front seven is just ridiculous. I mean, I knew it was really good, but like Montez sweat is just an absolute it, animal, like- dude. He's the one that goes unnoticed out of all of them because he was like, he fell into the second round. He shouldn't have fallen out. And I forget the reason why. It was some off-field stuff. Uh, I don't think he interviewed very well, um, but he dropped to the second round and we got him. So he's basically a first-round pick. And then we got Jonathan Allen, first-round pick. Darion Payne, first-round pick. And, you know, I was talking to uh, talking to my fellow Commanders fan down here, Jake LaRosa, um yesterday or on sunday when we were watching the game and honestly like with our record we're probably not looking at a top like five to ten pick like maybe top ten but we're definitely not looking at a top five pick and i think dude we our front seven or our front line looks fucking fine without chase young i hate to say it it looks fine like it's not gonna be as explosive obviously but, I mean, he's been fucking, like, messing around on the side. Like, I know he's hurt, but, like, I'm a fucking fan. You know I'm going to react. Like, I'm tired of seeing him on the sidelines and posting promo videos of him working out. Like, I'm tired of it. Like, 
And we don't need him. We don't. We don't need him. These we have so many other holes on our roster. Adding another like I, the second overall pick to a defensive line that's top five in the NFL. It's unnecessary. So I could see us trading Chase Young for a top five pick this year to get a quarterback, get rid of Wentz, get the opt out, and then roll with a top five pick uh, in the draft as a quarterback. So. I mean, I hate to, I hate to be this guy, but on the other end of the spectrum, you guys are only half a game out of the playoff picture right now, and you still got a plethora of games against teams in your division, including next week at Philadelphia on Monday night. But yeah, it, as much as you want to sit there and look in the sell now mode, I mean, you guys are right there, which is crazy to think about at four and five. But San Fran's four and four uh, in that seven slot. And I know the Giants are six and two, but you guys, I think, play them twice still. So you kind of control your own destiny in that regard as well. So I wouldn't completely sell on the season so far. There's still ample opportunities for you guys to get wins. Yeah, but I mean, you just got to look at the situation that the NFC East is in. And I don't want to keep talking about it, but like, I mean, we've got three, the Giants, the Cowboys and the Eagles slated. I mean, all of them have a 70% chance or greater to make the playoffs, like uh, according to Football Outsiders. Correct, but... But you still have to play two of those teams four times. I think you've but, still got excuse me, two against the Cowboys and two against the Giants. But these are, so far, good teams, and we're not as good as those teams. So I could see us, like, just dropping them. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I just, I'm ready to move, finally figure out our quarterback position. But Let's dive into uh, some studs and duds, man. As he mentioned, uh, Tyler mentioned, we did a trade over the weekend, and some of those players will be mentioned here. But without further ado, let's dive into studs and duds. And if you're joining us for the first time in a minute, uh, studs and duds is a topic or a segment that we do. We pick the studs of the week in fantasy, guys who had monster performances, duds of the week, guys who absolutely stunk it up in comparison to what they were projected to do. And we just tell you what you should be thinking about doing with these guys. So let's dive into it. And first, we'll do the studs. And I start out with the guy that Tyler North just acquired. And that is Justin fucking Fields. I've been seeing a nickname floating around on TikTok, the Winter Soldier, which I fucking love. Like, that's that's pretty fire. Uh, but 43 points on Sunday is also pretty fire, man. I mean, he looks like a completely different player now. He's got design runs in the playbook. Um, he's It's opening up the offense for guys like Darnell Mooney. He was able to show some flashes on Sunday. Like, they still ended up losing the game. But this Bears team under Justin Fields, it looks awesome. And Justin Fields in fantasy. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. The, the bargain that you can get for a name like Justin Fields versus a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's the perfect comparison. Like, the difference between them, considering Justin Fields' design, run now, uh, design runs now, is not as much as you would think. So, would you? No, I don't want to take anything away from Mahomes because he was also a stud this week. And, I mean, literally on his legs carried the Chiefs to a win uh, in that game on Sunday night against the Titans. But yeah, you know, Justin Fields has been absolutely incredible. Um, he's the only quarterback to be in the top eight the last four straight weeks, and he scored 17 or more in five straight weeks. And if you go back to the beginning of the season, we were talking about how terrible this Bears team looked and how terrible he really looked. He had 297 passing yards in his first three games combined. His rushing, though, is, in my opinion, what separates him. The last four weeks, 88, 82, 60, and 178. That's 408 rushing yards combined the last four weeks, which is, in my opinion, what really separates him because they're starting to realize, let's just give the guy this. Let's just put the ball in the, our best playmaker's hand, and he can run or he can throw. He can do whatever he wants to do. And I think you might have saw Mike McDaniel yeah. – uh, come out and in his post game press press conference, kind of making some jokes about it, basically saying like, you know, well, can you just let us get you? Um, because they had no game plan for him, and I think the valuable moving forward are his legs, especially in fantasy. Yeah, for sure, it'll be interesting to see how he stacks up against the other uh, quarterbacks in fantasy this year. But I mean, um, call me crazy, I think he's a lock it in top eight fantasy quarterback going forward. I mean, he's been like that the last four weeks, so why would you Why would you think something's going to change? Oh, yeah, man. I'm with it. You get Chase Claypool now, another fancy, shiny new toy to play with. 
Uh, I like it a lot. I like Fields going forward as your starting QB in fantasy if you've got him. Uh, but you mentioned it. Patrick Mahomes also went stupid uh, Sunday night against the Titans with 37 points. Uh, did a lot of work with his legs. Um, it seems like that's really getting incorporated more this year than it has been in years past a little bit. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Just because he doesn't have the the sort of well, he doesn't have Tyreek Kill anymore. Like he he's not as used to this. So you got to figure out new creative ways to get the ball downfield. And then he's scrambling with his legs, and I think we'll see more of it. He also had 446 passing yards, though, as well, which is pretty damn good. Um, but, yeah, his rushing ability is something that nobody ever really talks about. And it's he's not a rush-first quarterback, and he never will be, but he still is mobile enough to get third and longs, as we saw, and just picking up five, six, seven yards on, on plays where he's scrambling out of the pocket is, is extremely beneficial. Um, obviously, he's still going to throw the ball, but I don't know if you can depend on 60 rushing yards each week, but you can get a couple of points from the rushing category from him week in and week out. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's locking in top three quarterback going forward, especially if Josh Allen isn't healthy for the next couple of weeks. Patrick Mahomes is, outside of Jalen Hurts, probably the certified best quarterback in fantasy. Uh, the next guy that had a huge, uh, huge is an understatement, a mega fucking atomic fantasy performance on Sunday was Joe Mixon. Second most fantasy points of all time with 57 fucking points. And uh, if anybody in my fraternity is listening to this, yes, I did trade Joe Mixon the week before he dropped this bomb of 57 points. And guess who I was playing this week? Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Yep. And I got Aaron Jones in that trade. I got Debo in that trade, so basically both of them didn't play this week, and I forget who else, but I, I'm just, per, I, that's the most scarring trade that I've ever made in fantasy by far, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate because Joe Mixon wasn't doing that great before dropping this bomb for performance, but where do you see Joe Mixon fitting in now among those uh, upper tier running backs? I, I mean, he's been good. He hasn't had that explosion game yet. He's been consistent, but now he has. So are we putting him into that top six or seven, six category? I, I think so. Well, Mr. Kane Schwartz, if you remember a couple of weeks back when Mr. Jamar Chase got hurt, somebody said, I would go out and get Joe Mixon in every league that oh. you can. I was a firm believer that this guy was was going to be a number, you know, a RB1, especially in 12-team leagues, maybe even 10-team leagues. And I think he's going to stay that way. I, I don't think that, you know, this performance was an anomaly. I mean, yes, it was an anomaly for the amount of points that he got. But as far as, you know, 150 rushing yards, a couple touchdowns, I don't think that that's out of the realm for Joe Mixon, especially with Jamar Chase still being um, on, on, not IR, but, you know, being injured where he is right now. Um, obviously game flow definitely helped him when the Bengals get up, they're going to utilize the run a lot more. Um, but this is, this is a guy that as long as he's healthy, he's going to be an RB one for you. And I think it's absolutely safe to say that he has, in my opinion, overtaken like the likes of Josh Jacobs. Um, he's overtaken the likes of probably like Damian Pierce, even I would put him ahead of, and then you get into the conversation with like a Dalvin cook, um, or, or somebody in that realm where, where it is a conversation. Swift, but Fournette, yeah. like, I mean, I would take them both. I would still those. take him. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Jones is But I was already one. high on him. Mixing over Jones now. Especially okay. with the injury concern with Aaron Jones as well. But yeah, I'm, I was very high on Mixon, and this only further cemented my, uh, my opinion of him. So yeah, I think moving forward, if you've got him, absolutely, I'd cling on to him. But you can, you can depend on him as your RB1 on your team. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you always have been uh, so far this year. He's been pretty consistent. Um, but now with the absence of Jamar Chase, he's been an absolute dog. And when he comes back, I mean, Joe Mixon is still going to be Joe Mixon. He's still going to be the RB1 in Cincy, no doubt about it. Uh, maybe an opportunity. I mean, he scored 57 fucking points. So maybe if you want to try to sell high, if you can get like a one of those top running backs like CMC, uh Eckler, mm -hmm. Derrick Henry. Yeah, if you can get one of those guys for Joe Mixon and maybe like a waiver wire type player and you send that over for a CMC or Derrick Henry, I'd like that. 
Um, but let's move on here. We don't have to talk about this one because we've already uh, given him all his flowers. Uh, Kenneth Walker, 28 points. He's a dog. He's a top. He's a dog, a.k.a. K-9. Ooh, okay. I fucks with it. Uh, but, yeah, he's obviously – there was concern that maybe DJ Dallas would be involved in this backfield at some point. But Travis Homer, but that is just not the case. Tra- hey, Kenneth Walker. Top five back. Mm-hmm. Top five back. I said it when Penny got hurt. I said this guy was going to be a top five, maybe even top three back moving forward. And I think he's cemented himself as a top five back. I would much rather have him over Joe Mixon, you know, talking about that comparison. Because um, I I really feel like Mixon benefited, like I said, a lot from game flow this weekend. And Seattle's still a run first team. I know Gino's been lighting it up. And I know DK and, and Lockett both look good. But I would still trust K9 as the most vital part of this offense and the offense is going to go through him yeah for sure i'm with that um next guy on the list and it's rb1 season for this man as well as kenneth walker and it is travis etn scored 27 points he's fully here man i mean he has no competition in that jags backfield he's getting along with his uh, former college teammate trevor lawrence all signs are looking up for travis etn as a top 10 back lock it in moving forward yeah, he's explosive. Um, you know, you see it every time he gets the ball. He's running with a purpose, and he's very shifty as well. You know, first three, four weeks of the year, obviously they were throwing James Robinson in there to to kind of take away those carries, and everybody said it. When James Robinson got traded, ETN was going to be that dude moving forward, and he has. I mean, since he's been um, the, the starting running back, as far as the number one overall running back for Jacksonville, He's gone um, 18 against the Giants, and then he's gone 25 against Denver and 26 against Vegas. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's looking up for him. And the other thing to look at is if you've got him on your team and you're looking at that first-round buy in your fantasy playoffs, and you're like, hey, you know, who's got a good schedule for the fantasy playoffs? ETN, I know in week in, in the, the semifinal week, week 16 has the Jets. But in that championship game, Travis Etienne has Houston, which is the number one team as far as giving up points to running backs. So that is very, very meaty. And that's something that you want to have moving forward is if you're in a position now where, you know, you might be like seven and two or eight and one or something, you got to start looking ahead to playoffs and you got to start looking ahead to matchups. And now is the time to trade, sell high on some players if they have a pretty crappy matchup come to playoffs and get by low on some players that might not that might not be playing up to their potential right now, but might have a very meaty schedule come playoff time. So those are the type of things that you got to start looking at at this point in the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the time that you got to decide where you are in your fantasy league. Like, are you a lock for playoffs? Are you still fighting for a spot or are you completely out of it? Um, If you are probably locked in for a playoff spot, like you got to start looking at guys that are going to bring you a fantasy title come playoffs time. Like I think of guys like Debo, who hasn't he's been a little banged up hasn't really played up to potential he's been he's got scored over 10 points basically every single week uh he had that one really good week where he scored like 25 30 points uh, against the rams but hasn't looked that great i would look to dive into maybe somebody like debo um jonathan taylor uh these are guys that haven't broken out yet that still have a decent chance to break out in the fantasy playoffs uh come that time and you're in a position I mean you're in a lock for playoffs if you're making this trade so it's not like you're losing too much don't take too much risk in it but yeah I would try to go and Mark Andrews is another guy who's been banged up these past couple weeks get guys that can carry you to a fantasy championship but you mentioned it Travis Etienne another huge guy to be looking into or be trading them off selling high uh, next guy with I wouldn't I would not trade I would I mean yeah. even though you just traded me Kenneth Walker I wouldn't I would do everything in your power to hold on to Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne absolutely yeah I there there's no signs of regression coming from either of those two guys they're fucking basically rookie running backs so uh, next guy on the studs list this week and the final running back is Kenyon Drake little name that we haven't seen in a minute uh, twenty five points on the studs list. I can't buy too much into this, I guess, because Gus Bus is coming back. But I said it before, like, Kenyon Drake, I mean, he's been really good in the past. Like, he was supposed to be into a star, uh, butting into a star role in Arizona when he left Miami. 
and really just got outshined there. And then he moves over the, the Raiders last year, doesn't really do shit. Um, but he's obviously a much better receiving back than Gus Edwards is. And I could see him getting a lot of the receiving work going forward. So I would take some stock in that probably. What do you think? Yeah, and, you know, he, he did benefit from, I think it was a one-yard and three-yard carry, which if you're starting to look ahead after the bye week for the Ravens, those are probably going to go to Gus Edwards. But also, Dobbins is probably going to be coming back here within the next two to three weeks as well. So that's going to be just a muddled backfield in its own. If you had him this week and you started him, great. Is it something that you can count on as like an RB2 moving forward? Probably not. Um, but the opportunities could be there. And the reason I say they could be is because the Ravens are one of those teams that likes to ride the hot hand. And if Kenyon Drake's got the hot hand right now, the, John Harbaugh is not going to go away from that just because some other guys come back healthy. They might be incorporated a little bit more, but if the guy's hot, he's going to stick with him. So hold on to him. See what happens with the injury news with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. Um, I know, like I said, Kenyon Drake is on a bye this week. Um, but, yeah, I would I would. You know, I would I would definitely hold on to him. I wouldn't sit there and think that you're going to get that type of production week in, week out, though, the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. Um, he's not an RB1, RB2. I mean, you're scratching you're scratching RB2 territory, but not really, in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't even put him as a top-tier flex, but definitely a flex option if you're looking uh, on your bench for one. But Let's uh, move on through the rest of the studs, and we dive into the wide receiver position. And we got a guy who bounced back this week, and that is Devontae Adams, uh, putting up 37 points this week. Um, I see a lot of people trying to sell high on Devontae Adams right now, and I don't know why, man. Like, it, even, I know, like, don't be scared about how much this Raiders team sucks. Like, it's going to suck, but their offense is Devontae fucking Adams. Darren Waller isn't been, it being utilized this year. Uh, Hunter Renfro. He's hurt. Yeah, the, he's been hurt. And Hunter Renfro, I was about to say, has been hurt. Um, Matt Collins has really been the guy to go to outside of uh, Devontae Adams. But he is the guy. He is the offense. He's going to get double-digit targets every single game. I don't know why you would try to sell high on a guy like Devontae Adams, despite the struggles from the Raiders. Yeah, 17 targets this week is absolutely ridiculous um, for anybody. But it does show you that, and and you knew it from the first possession the Raiders had. They're just going to force him the ball. Uh, and and I knew that going into this week. I said, I expect Devontae Adams to have a really big week. Um, and sure enough, he did. Like I said, he scored a touchdown, I think, on their, on their first possession. Uh, but yeah, the offense runs through him. I know Jacobs is still there, but Josh Jacobs kind of had a couple of duds here the last couple of weeks. Um, so I... I would not sell high on Devontae Adams. I don't know if you're going to continue to get 36 points a week type production, but 50, double digit points is is definitely a, a floor for him in my opinion. You're not going to have those one catch three yards like you had two weeks ago against the Saints. Like that's not going to happen again. And the Raiders realize for them to succeed, they're going to have to force feed him the ball. Yeah. For sure. I love Devontae Adams going forward. Uh, the next three guys that we got on this list um, have a solid argument to be wide receiver one in fantasy this year when it's all said and done. And that is Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, Cooper Cup scored 28. Tyreek Hill scored 27. Justin Jefferson also scored 27 points. Out of those three guys, which one are you taking as wide receiver one in fantasy going forward? Man, it's tough. Yeah. And the reason I think it's tough is because Tyreek Hill already has over 1,100 yards in nine games this year, which is absolutely insane. Uh, and I don't think any of us saw this coming. I know he talked about how great of a ball Tua threw, and you know we, we, we knew that he was still going to be really good and relevant on this team. But it I the, the, the rate that he's on and the pace that he's on is historic numbers right now. Um, I personally would probably still go with Cooper Cup um, because – his floor is is even like 20 points like i think you can guarantee him to get 20 points every single week he had one week uh two weeks below 20 but other than that it's been 26 22 25 26 31 31 so i don't i don't see how you cannot choose cooper cup i know tyreek hill's been doing his damn thing and not taking anything away um but i would still go with cooper cup and it, me being a vikings fan notice i didn't even mention just justin jefferson but i think it with the emergence of TJ Hawkinson, it's going to take a little bit away from Jefferson. Yeah. And also, uh, Dalvin Cook seems like he's been getting um, more involved. I mean, in the past, I, just because of that passing touchdown, I guess, kind of brings uh, bias. But um, 
I will go with Cooper Cup as well out of those three guys just because of the floor. I mean, Matt Stafford is forcing him the ball just like Derek Carr is forcing Devontae Adams the ball. Uh, Tyreek Hill, he still has a chance to kind of fizzle out under the likes of a Jalen Waddle in a game. Like, there's a chance of that happening. There's a chance that Justin Jefferson gets uh, robbed of two touchdowns in the red zone from Adam Thielen and TJ Hawkinson, as you mentioned, keeps doing it. There's not a lot of situations in which I can imagine that Cooper Cup doesn't play well in any given fantasy game, you know? So, yeah, I'll go with Cooper Cup just to the, the solid, literally 20-point floor. So, let's uh, round this studs list out with uh, a couple of tight ends. Real quick. Yeah, man. Real quick, real quick, wide receiver. I want to mention this guy. Christian Kirk had 21 points this week. What did the Jags do? They won. In the games that the Jags have won, Christian Kirk has had 25, 19, and 21. In the games that they've lost, I know he's had some games where he's had like 10 and 17, but he's also had 7, 2, and 8. It shows you that if the Jags are going to succeed, I know ETN's there, but they got to get the ball to Christian Kirk. And it showed this week, and what do you know they won? So um, I think you're going to see a lot of Christian Kirk moving forward, and I think he's definitely a viable wide receiver too. Might even be on the wide receiver one radar, depending on bye weeks, depending on injuries. So I really like um, Christian Kirk moving forward. And the other guy I do want to mention really quickly before we um, hop into tight ends, Juju. Mm. Juju is turning into a number one wide receiver capable every single week. He's turned into Patrick Mahomes' number one target. Um, You're seeing it the last, uh, I think, three weeks. He's gone 12 targets, eight targets, and he did have five targets. But um, the weeks before that, eight targets, eight targets, eight targets, eight targets. I mean, the guy gobbles up the targets. And if teams are going to hone in on Travis Kelsey, it's going to leave the opportunities there for Juju. I know Miko has had some really good weeks over the last three weeks, which is pretty crazy um how he's turned into a very viable wide receiver three option hey i think i think tony coming in is going to take more away from miko than it is going to take away from juju yeah for sure because tony fits that miko kind of build you know super fast wide receiver but dude miko had nine targets on sunday like you we mentioned how it's like uh, i mean the concern that we were talking about last week was that like it was like design runs near the goal line and you know how sustainable was that but i mean the dude dude got nine targets like my point last week was that they're trying to get him more involved in the offense and obviously that's true so i i love Nicole hardman going forward uh definitely as a lock it in flex option for sure uh juju on the other hand is a wide receiver too lock it in every single week uh but you mentioned christian cool. kirk too um I would probably put Christian Kirk towards the wide receiver one category more than a Juju. Um, you mentioned, and also follow the fucking money, dude. You pay the man four years, 75 mil. It rocks the whole fucking wide receiver market. Everybody's shook. And then you're not, you don't give him the ball in certain games. Like, I, I don't understand that at all. But I think, I mean, that's insane. In the games that they've won, he scored more than 15 points in every single one. So I'm. I'm with that. I'm with Kirsten Kirk, possibly being a wide receiver one going forward. But <clears throat> solid debate on the wide receivers from the studs list. But let's round out with some tight ends. And Dallas Goddard had his big breakout game this year. Uh, 24 points on Thursday Night Football against the Texans. Dude, I might like Dallas Goddard more than the likes of definitely Kyle Pitts. George Kittle, um, obviously Darren Waller. Um, I can't, like, Andrews and Kelsey, and then Goddard is clearly the third guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean he's do, he showcased it this past week, um, and, and, you know, you can't take anything away from that. He's been very, he's been pretty much rock solid all year. He had one dud of 4.2 points, but, you know, 12.4, 17.5, 12.2. Double-digit points every week seems like it's definitely a viable possibility for uh, for Dallas Goddard. And, yeah, I would definitely in the tight end one conversation as far as, um, you know, starting him in anything from an eight-man onward. Um, yeah, I put him in that, you know, three, four, five range right there with, like, Kittle or maybe Hawkinson. But, yeah, he's he's definitely separating himself from a lot of other competition for sure. Yeah, the reason I love it so much, there was so much preseason hype for Dallas Goddard coming into this year. There was so much talk about 
Hurts and his chemistry with Goddard, and you saw it after the game. Like Hurts literally went on a tangent for like four or five minutes about all the things that he loves about Dallas Goddard, and I was it just made me fucking smile like cheek to cheek or ear to ear because I have Dallas Goddard in like three or four leagues, so happy to hear that. But the other tight end who had his breakout game of the season and seems like he. Should be a viable tight end, start-worthy candidate going forward. Cole Komet, dude, scored 22 points against the Dolphins on Sunday. As the Bears figure out their offense and as Justin Fields comes into his own, I think we could see Cole Komet really scrape out a way in this offense going forward, and especially in Dynasty. Yeah, I mean, he's got three tight ends, I mean, three tight ends, three touchdowns the last two games. Um, and I think that, yeah, he's becoming that red zone target for Justin Fields. So I, I really like Cole Komet moving forward, especially next week, because they get to play the woeful Lions defense. I know they gave the Packers fits this week, but the Lions have been one of the worst defenses in football this year. So if you're looking for a streaming option at tight end, I would definitely get Cole Komet and start him next week. And then, you know, moving forward, he might be an option for you to start every single week. Yeah, I even saw Cole Komet still available in our Dynasty League like a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, bro, what it like I know he's been fucking terrible, but I mean a lot of the preseason hype was that Cole Komet was gonna be like a tight end one in fantasy. Like a started worthy tight end in fantasy. And that was not the case for the first five, six weeks. But he's really coming into his own now as Justin Fields comes into his own. So I like Cole Komet going forward. Alright, man. You ready to hop into uh, some duds? Real quick, the last person I do want to mention, Cade Otten. Ooh, yeah. Look out for him. He's gotten 16 targets over the last three weeks. He had two touchdowns, or just one touchdown, one touchdown this week. Um, but he's becoming a very viable target for Tom Brady. And we know Tom Brady likes to use his tight ends, uh, as he did so in New England. Um, and as if Cameron Brady's going to stay hurt, I really like Kate Otten. You know, he was he was one of our starts a couple of weeks ago, and he ended up getting 10 points, which isn't great. But for a, a, a flyer, you know, why not go for him? So if you're in desperate need for a tight end, I think Kate Otten is absolutely a, um, a person to go after. Yeah, I mean, if we know anything from the history of Tom Brady, it's that he really likes his tight ends. Uh, so, yeah, I like Kate Otten, too. He was, he was getting... He, he was barely getting towards the list. Like, he was about to end up on the list, but didn't. What did he have, like, 18 or 16, 15, something? 17. 17. Five, five, catches, five catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. But like I said, the targets is what I really look at. And having six targets this week, five the, last, the previous week, and then five the week before, 16 targets in three weeks is pretty nice ever since Cameron Brake got hurt. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a fucking crapshoot at tight end, so you're taking flyers. It's a hell of a flyer. You want volume. Yeah. You, 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 if you're going to take flyers, you want to take the volume. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's dive into the duds of this week, and we start out at the quarterback position, and a dude who seems to have made his way onto this list every single week, and it's Matt Stafford, 10 points. I mean, do we have to keep talking about Matt Stafford if he's not off your team yet? He probably he had, should be. He had 20 points week two against Atlanta. He hasn't had over 20 any other game this year. Oh. I mean, it's it's bad, and I would I would probably drop him for the likes of, like, I mean, Derek Carr is still out there. Trevor Lawrence is still out there. Kirk Cousins, maybe. Fields. Um, fields. I mean, obviously Fields. But, yeah, I think there's much better options than going – with Matt Stafford, he's just had a terrible season. And we talked about, you know, the elbow being an issue, and it seems like it's an issue for sure. Yeah, another uh, injury that seems to be lingering is the ribs on Justin Herbert as he puts up another dud this week at 13 points. Um, he's, I mean, you're not dropping Justin Herbert. You're starting him every week. I, are you starting him every week, though? Because if you have a guy like Geno on your bench, I would definitely consider starting Geno over Justin Herbert, like um, almost every week, unless something changes with uh, Justin Herbert's play and what we've seen these past few weeks. I mean, it's been dog shit. He's he's you're starting Justin Herbert if you have him and you don't have a better option, but he's not he's not a top five quarterback in fantasy this year for sure. Yeah, it's, it, the other thing to keep in mind is that he doesn't have his top two targets right now mm. with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I think once those guys come back, Justin Herbert's going to be an every week top five, top six quarterback 
Um, but yeah, at least for right now, it, it, it's not very good. So once he gets those guys back, I think it's definitely something uh, where you'll see his numbers start to swing in the right direction, um, coincidentally enough. Okay, fair. Uh, last guy on the quarterback's duds list, uh, Jared Goff finishes with 12 points. But I mean, he's probably on your waiver wire. Uh, but I, I mean, it, I'd take Jared Goff from Matt Stafford that going forward. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, he had the one big blow up against Seattle in that shootout um, back in week four where he put up 34 points. Since then, he's gone six points, three points, 18 and 12. Um, it's tough. I would probably still go with Stafford, but I if you, you, you got to have better options than that. Yeah, bro. That's what I'm saying. All right, let's dive into uh, the running backs, uh, running back duds from this week. And I start out with the Chicago backfield. Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery combined for seven points. Uh, a lot of that was game script. It was a fucking shootout against Miami. Uh, but which guy are you taking in this backfield going forward? Because, I mean, your, your gut instinct is to say David Montgomery. But I'm telling you, when, like, Herbert didn't get a lot of play because of game script. And he's the number two how it is. But... He just looks so much like so more electric running the ball than David Montgomery does. Yeah, I like Herbert better, um, and I think the the Bears like Herbert better. They they showed it. I know this week was a little bit different, but you know, over the past three or four weeks, they've been giving him the ball not only in garbage time but in in typical gameplay. And it seems like, especially in the red zone, they're going to him more than they're going um, to Montgomery. And he's got more of a receiving capability than Montgomery. So if I'm going to choose one out of the two to move forward, I'm probably going to be going with Herbert. Yeah, and I mean, I would roster both of these guys in fantasy right now. I mean, that Chicago run game is fucking really good when it's running right, and you get the read option going with Justin Fields. That opens things up for the backfield. So, But yeah, I agree with you. I like Khalil Herbert going forward. And also, uh, Monty's contract is up after this year, so I don't think that they have plans to keep him with how well Khalil Herbert's been playing. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's dive in uh, to Donta Foreman, man. Four points after putting up a really solid week last week. Uh, Chuba Hubbard came back this week. Took a lot of uh, – oh, no, he's not back. It was just no, game Chuba, Chuba was out again this week. Some of it was game flow. Blackshear had a late garbage time touchdown oh, okay. stolen away from Deontay Foreman. Once they went down so big, they didn't even really play him. Um, they were just like, let's see what we've got out of this Blackshear kid. Um, I, as a De- Deontay Foreman omer, owner, I don't know what to think of this. Um, Juba coming back is definitely going to hurt. However, they do play on Thursday night um, this week. So they might be resting Juba Hubbard one more week. And this might be another week for Deontay Foreman to to do really well against it. Not the best defense in the Atlanta Falcons so I think this week I think he's still gonna have a, a solid week double digit points but after this week I don't it's gonna be completely modeled yeah I do I do think that he is the better running back uh, I think he is better than Chuba Hubbard I mean we saw what Chuba Hubbard did last year it wasn't fantastic in uh, CMC's absence but Dante Foreman when stepping in for Derrick Henry kind of looked like mini Derrick Henry at times and he had a really good week last week I like if I'm the fucking Panthers head coach, like I'm putting Donta Foreman as my RB one. But I mean that organization is so in shambles right now. I don't know what to say. So I don't really know what to think of Donta Foreman. I would hold on to him for another week just to see how it plays out. But uh, yeah, I think he's still rosterable. Yeah. You know, you still want to have him, and he might be a flex option. But I don't know if you're going to be looking at RB two option moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another guy who's not even sniffing RB2 territory, but possibly could be due to injury now, and that's A.J. Dillon. Hasn't scored over 10 points uh, since week one. Puts up another fucking single-digit performance this week. Five points in a game which Aaron Jones was out for most of the time. Uh, I like A.J. Dillon if Aaron Jones is out, but, I mean, Aaron Jones' ne- x-rays came back negative, so I don't I don't feel great about it. I'd probably put an A.J. Dillon in the flex, scratching RB2 territory if Aaron Jones does play this week. Yeah, if Aaron Jones is out, I mean, he's got to be in that RB2 conversation. I think he's definitely he's better than so a flex. He's been so ass. He's been so ass. But, it's, but, but it's, it's about game flow, too. Like, this week they were down, so yeah. obviously they're just going to sit there and pass the ball the whole time. He hasn't looked good Whereas in the I carries think, that he's getting, though. He doesn't look good. Right, right, but... 
the opportunities are going to be plentiful if Aaron Jones is out. If Aaron Jones isn't out, I, I don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm keeping him off my team. You should be on the... Uh, well, with Aaron Jones' injury now, you if he's on your waivers, you're looking to pick him up. But otherwise, I'm dropping him in the waiver wire. Let's move on through the rest of the running backs. Uh, Brian Robinson, my very own commander's running back, scores six points this week. Um, He's a borderline flex option probably going forward. I mean, it, what I've seen from the backfield since Brian Robinson got back is just Gibby has gotten so pissed that Brian Robinson was supposed to be the guy over him this year. And Gibby looks like he's running mad, and I love it. He's playing good football. He's motivated. He's got a fire under his ass. Uh, like, I love that. And Brian Robinson doesn't look as explosive as he did. And, oh, he's a good, he wasn't ever super explosive to start. He was always going to be a between-the-tackles guy, but he cannot seem to gain any ground. But Gibby, on the other hand, can. It's going to be a split backfield going forward. So I think Gibby is the guy to roster if you're going to roster running back from Washington, but both of them are flex options. Yeah, I think it's just a, a muddled situation. One week, one guy might do well. The other week, the other guy might do well. I think that Gibson's got more pass-catching ability, but I think Robinson's more of the goal line back. So it, it's just, like I said, a completely muddled situation. And if you can avoid it, I would at all costs. Yeah, for sure. Uh, huge name that had, well, I mean, he started to turn into a fucking no name because I have him in like three leagues. Uh, that's DeAndre Swift. Comes back. He was kind of a game time decision going into this one. Comes back. Doesn't seem like he's playing as if he's 100% healthy or the Lions aren't playing him as if he's 100% healthy. He scores eight points this week. Jamal Williams again outshines him. I don't know what to think. Like, are we? It, I don't know. Like, do they actually think that Jamal Williams is better or is DeAndre Swift just seriously banged up? He's hurt. He's still hurt. He's still he's still hampered by this injury. Um, he's the big thing with him is he's still going to get those receiving that's receiving work. So if you're in a PPR league, I still like him. And excuse me, moving forward, you just got to wait till he gets healthy in order for him to be a viable 100% starter. Because right now it's just they're splitting carries left and right. It seems like so I. I mean, he only had two carries this week, so I still think that that shows that he's still hurt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it it's so frustrating as a DeAndre Swift owner, but if you're in good position for the playoffs, you got to feel good because once he comes back healthy, he'll be ready to rock for you. Uh, DeAndre Swift is the other running back that I have uh, in the 12-team league that we made a trade in. Um, so now I've got Najee and DeAndre Swift, so I'm not sure... I feel super great about that, but, I mean, in a 12-team league, I'll take it. But DeAndre Swift, he's, he's scaring me a little bit right now. But the only thing that keeps me going is the preseason hype for him and watching fucking Hard Knocks and them saying, like, this is a guy that could go for 1,000 yards receiving and 1,000 yards rushing this year. And I think that the whole coaching staff believes that. So once he's fully healthy, but when's that going to be? I don't know. Uh, Raheem Mostert, he puts up nine points this week. I hate to say it, Tyler. I think my Brett's looking pretty good. We'll see. I mean, it was, uh, you know, we, um, Mostert, Mostert had a touchdown in that game. I know Jeff Wilson did as well. Jeff Wilson definitely got more. Raheem carries. Mostert um, got it after like two attempts on the goal line, I think. And then Jeff Wilson ran it out, hit the pylon, like it, from 20 yards out. So, yeah, I mean, week one. You know, we'll see what happens moving forward. But as of this week, you know, you got like a nine, ten point cushion on me. So uh, and if you're just now listening in, the loser has to eat a jalapeno, um, whole jalapeno. So I'm not looking forward to that. But hey, you know what? If I still got this little bit of a cold, maybe it'll open up my sinuses. So maybe it'll be a win win. Let's go. That's it. The full I got I got to win one of these over you, though. Like I can't I can't if I start and two against in, in our bets, I got to I got to figure something out. <laughs> Raise Get a little stakes. bit better on my end. Yeah, raise the stakes, yeah, more seriously. pressure, something like that. What were the carries though, as far as the numbers go? Um, I know. Let's see. Mostert had uh, nine carries, and then Jeff Wilson had nine carries, so fifty-fifty split. Wow, that's a hell of a bet we made. But um, it's so funny to see how the two running backs that uh, outside of Elijah Mitchell 
uh, the running backs that Mike McDaniel had when he was calling plays last year. He was like, fuck it, I'll take both of them, dude. They worked pretty well for me. So <laughs> I think that's hilarious. But let's move on. Alvin Kamara scores nine points this week in a dud game last night. I, he's not, he's hmm, borderline RB1 for me. I mean, he blew up the week before, yeah. so you know he was going to come back down to earth. He literally had, I mean, since since he came back from injury, he's had 23, 18, 17, 42, and then he had nine. So I'm not yeah. that okay. worried about Kamara. I still think he's going to get double digits week in and week out. This was a bad week, and he still had nine. So, you know, as long as Andy Dalton is quarterback, they're going to give him the ball. Keywords being as long as Andy Dalton is quarterback. Well, once once Jameis comes back, though, you know, Slant Boy's not there either. So, you know, it's it's Kamara and Alave, and that's their offense. So they're going to have to give him the ball uh, a lot of the time. But, you know, he only had nine carries. He only had 12 touches last night, nine carries and three catches. So I got to imagine that that's going to switch, um, you know, in, in next week and, and pretty much for the rest of the season. I think you can depend on him being your RB1. Okay, fair enough. I I wouldn't put him into the tier. I'd probably take Mixon over Kamara going forward. Mm, see, I I would probably do Kamara, but it's close. I would uh, ETN over Kamara for me. Um, trying to think of guys in that range. Like, uh, Kamara's better than Aaron Jones for Fournette. sure. Uh, Kamara over Fournette. Uh, for the yeah. receiving. So he's in that he's in that ten through twelve yeah. range uh, as far as RB one. Mm-hmm. I'd probably take Nick Chubb over him, but yeah, that'll that gives you an idea of where he is uh, in the range of running backs. But uh, you mentioned Leonard Fournette; he has another dud this week. Scores eleven points. Um, he's not even the fucking receiving back. Uh, Rashad White is clearly the receiving back in Tampa Bay. Um, they can't win games right now, and if you're not winning games, you're not going to be establishing a run game of any sort. And that seems to be the case in Tampa Bay. I mean, they did catch a last minute dub. Uh, on Sunday, but mm, Lenny, I think I think his fantasy days are coming to a close, man. Yeah, I said it like week two or three that I wasn't trusting this guy moving forward, and here we are in week nine, and people are starting to be like, uh, I think I might want to try and get rid of him. If you haven't gotten rid of him, I would try now, but I don't know what kind of return you're going to get. Yeah, the only thing that gives me optimism is that if they start winning, he is their RB1 and they'll run them into the ground yeah. in games that they're winning, but can this Bucks team win games right now? I don't know. So, uh, next guy on the list in his first game back from injury, uh, James Conner puts up 11 points. So, not too much of a dud considering it was his first game back. Um, do you have – where are we putting James Conner? Like, I'm probably putting him behind all the guys that we mentioned in the Kamara territory. RB2. I mean, he's going to get the goal line carries, so you're. I think you're still going to get a good amount of touchdowns from him. Um, Eno's still going to be factored in though as well, so you have to remember that. But I would put him in that somewhere from like 15 to 20 range. It's probably where I'd have him on a weekend, week out basis. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was huge on James Conner coming into the year. I mean, they paid him like an RB one. Um, they're going to use him like an RB1, I assume, and they're fucking losing games right now. So they got to figure out something. They get James Conner back. Hopefully that's the change that they feel like they need to make is getting James Conner more involved in the offense to start winning football games. Uh, in fact, in fact, I, w- I would put him right there with Fournette. Yeah, probably. I like James Conner probably better than Fournette. Yeah, a little bit better, but I, they're right there in that same category for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's dive into the wide receivers, shall we? And we start with a guy that you're stashing on your bench right now, but it's probably welcome to Dumpsville. And I feel like we've said this in weeks prior, Drake London, two points this week. Yeah, Drake London's definitely fallen off the radar here um, over the last couple of weeks. Some of it is quarterback play. Um, but yeah, I... I would probably still roster him, but it's it's if you do have to drop him, um, you know I I completely understand that. But yeah, he's he's completely fallen off the radar. You're right. Yeah, and I mean that nothing could really get. I mean Cordero got cooking on Sunday again, which was nice to see. But this Atlanta offense uh, at the beginning of the year it seemed like Drake London was going to be a guy, but not anymore. 
another guy that seemed like he was might be a little bit of something this year. Got a lot of preseason hype. He was a guy I was super high on. Isaiah McKenzie. He scores four points. Um, dude, I think this just stems because he was heavily involved before. But then, who did they play? Who did the Bills play last week? Um, they played. Why am I blanking on this? Yeah. Oh, Packers, right on Sunday. Oh, yes, football? yes, yeah, yeah. They played the Packers, and you know, I think it might have been the game before that. But Isaiah McKenzie, like, literally, fucking, it hit him in the chest like three or four times in the end zone, and he couldn't catch it. And he hasn't been used the same way since. Like. They, had, they couldn't trust him in those big moments. It seemed like he was being opened up to be the game plan uh, for that. Because they were... It was the cornerback matchups that they were... Oh, they, did they play... No. Fuck. Here, I gotta look at it. God damn it. I know I'm not crazy. All this preseason hype about him being the slot and fucking no more Cole Beasley. He was lightning in a bottle. Like, all this shit. And I'm still, like... I'm still kind of like, oh, he might turn it around, man. But I I think I'm officially off the bandwagon now, I hate to say. But, okay, so it was week six, and they played – it was when they played the Chiefs. So, okay. yeah, and I figured that, you know, Stephon Diggs is burn on, like fucking Gabe Davis is burn on, so they'll look to get Isaiah McKenzie more involved. And they did to start the game, and it didn't work, and they haven't gotten him the ball since, so – I think it's probably welcome to Dumpsville for Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold on to him. I mean, he's just using a roster spot right now, so I'd, I'd look to probably get rid of him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Devonte Smith. Uh, he's a guy who's ended up on the duds list a couple times. Uh, four points. Um, AJ Brown had a monster game. Um, on third. Wait, no. Dow Scouter had a more of a game than uh, AJ Brown, but AJ Brown obviously outshined Devonte Smith. I'd probably go A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, and then Devontae Smith as far as receiving threats yeah. in the offense that I want to roster in fantasy. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I mean, A.J. Brown is still, in my opinion, the clear-cut one. But, yeah, Dallas Goddard's, in my opinion, overtaken Devontae Smith. Now, Devontae Smith's one big game of the year where he put up a nice 30 points was against Washington, who he plays this week. So, maybe you're holding out for that game, but... Yeah, I would I would put um, AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard clear cut one two options over um, over Devonta Smith. Yeah, I mean he's a borderline flex option going forward probably until further notice. Uh, DJ Moore after his monster performance last week, getting on the board uh, with PJ Walker, uh, he scores four points as Baker steps in halfway through the game and takes over at QB. Um, with Baker at quarterback now, if that's how they're... I don't know if they were just taking a look at Baker in the second half uh, because they were losing by so much, or is he actually the new quarterback? Like, I mean, they signed him to... They brought him in to be the starting quarterback. So, but PJ... Uh, he looked bad. PJ looked bad. So I would assume that Baker's going to start going forward. And if that's the case, DJ Moore's borderline wide receiver two flex option. No, I'm pretty sure Steve Wilkes came out and said that it's um, that that they're moving forward with PJ Walker as their quarterback. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, if it's PJ Walker, then I I like it a lot because I it just scared me so much because Baker came in in the second half and he does not like DJ Moore for some reason. So no, they have no chemistry. That's what I'm saying. And but if it is PJ Walker next week, I like DJ Moore as a locking in wide receiver too. Uh, going forward, if P.J. Walker's a starter for the rest of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think if it's P.J. Walker, I think T.J. Moore is a yeah wide receiver, too. I don't think he's wide receiver, one. And I don't think he's as bad as a wide receiver. He could be in the wide receiver, three discussion. But, yeah, I think he's still a fantasy starter moving forward, depending if P.J. Walker's the quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last couple of big names on the duds list. Uh, Michael Pittman scores five points. Gabe Davis, he scores five points. Uh, both those guys, oh, it's tough, man. I was saying that Gabe Davis at the beginning of the year after that week one that he might have a chance to finish as a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy along with Stephon Diggs, but there's no shot of that. Now, I don't know if he's still injured or what the deal is, but 
We saw that big fluke game against Kansas City. We fell in love with him as a wide receiver, too, in Buffalo. Has a good week one, buy even more into it, and hasn't really done shit since. So I think he's a, he's a really good flex option going forward. Yeah, but, I mean, he did have five targets in this game, which if you're looking at what he's done this year, he's had five, seven, six, six. He just wasn't able to, to get any catches, and he had a chance on the final play for the Bills deep downfield to make a catch and really – resurrect his terrible fantasy day but couldn't pull it in so you're gonna have these weeks from Gabe Davis he is the prototypical boom bust quarterback I mean uh, wide receiver yeah yeah I can agree with that but one guy that is not boom bust and I really am writing off the faith in him Michael Pittman man five points I I don't he was a wide receiver one a lot of I mean I know that you didn't like him as wide receiver one going into the year but a lot of people had him as a wide receiver one um he's ugh. With Ellinger, I don't know if they turn back to Matt Ryan at this point, with Jeff Saturday now under the helm. And if that's the case, I like Michael Pittman a lot, like borderline wide receiver one territory, just because Matt Ryan's going to be throwing the ball 16 times a game, and Michael Pittman's going to be getting those double-digit targets. But if it's Ellinger, and it seems like, I mean, Frank White was the guy who committed to Ellinger for the rest of the season, so we don't know if there might be a last-minute change back to Matt Ryan. But if Ellinger's the starter... I can't see Michael Pittman being a starting wide receiver and fan, borderline wide receiver two territory for me, and I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, now might be a good time to buy low on Michael Pittman. Um, like you were saying, if Matt Ryan's coming back, I would I would put him in that wide receiver two conversation. But if it's they're going with Ellinger, wide receiver three flex option. I mean, it's it's been a terrible season for Michael Pittman so far. Yeah, it has. Outside of a couple uh, scratching on twenty points. Uh, Mike Evans, he scores nine points. Um, can't really read anything into that besides he's a Jaylen wide receiver Ramsey. too. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey and Chris Godwin's going to be there, but I mean it's fucking Mike Evans. He's going to get the goal line uh, fucking touchdowns either way. Um, but not too much concern there. I do have a little concern for the next guy on our list, and that is Monra St. Brown, who scored ten points this week. Um, it's he had a streak going back into last year of consecutive 20 plus point performances i think and he's eight had catches at least eight catches in like i don't even know what it ended up being like 10 or 11 straight games yeah and that's that's fallen off these past three like i it's it hasn't been the same monroe that we saw um last year going into this year but he's a wide receiver too uh, injuries yeah yeah i would i would i would still trust him moving forward as a wide receiver too buy low opportunity on Amon Ra, in my opinion. Um, the Lions are probably going to be down. Their defense is not great, so they're going to have to throw the ball and air it out. And if Swift is still dealing with an injury, they've got to go more to the air. Um, so I, I think Amon Ra moving forward is still at a wide receiver too. And like I said, I think it's a good buy low opportunity on him. Yeah, honestly, I'm locking it in as comparison to guys like Michael Pittman and Gabe Davis. I'm locking in Amon Ra as a wide receiver too, borderline wide receiver one going forward if he can improve upon what he's been doing all right yep, i would agree with that as well fuck yeah man all right let's uh round it out with these tight ends uh mike Jacecki scores one point Taysom hill scores one point uh and kyle pitts scores five points i will say when it comes to kyle pitts uh marcus mariota totally fucking airmailed uh a ball right over his head that should have been taken to the house for like a 60 yard touchdown um, so that would have definitely helped him out. Probably would have put him on the duds or studs list this week. Uh, but he ends up with five. But that's just because of the quarterback performance. I I do like Kyle Pitts now. I'm still on board. Yeah, I, I, I still I still like Kyle Pitts. I think that you can treat him as your tight end um, on your fantasy team. I mean, you know, I just don't understand why they don't give him the ball. But he still had seven targets in this game. So keep that in mind. And then that's a week off week coming off a week where he had um, 19 points, but the last two, last three weeks combined, he's had 21 targets. So the targets are there. I don't think it's anything to, to freak out about. So I still like Pitts moving forward. Yeah. Uh, Taysom Hill is a guy where, I mean, boom bust uh, definition, if you look it up in the dictionary. Uh, and Mike Jusecki, yeah. honestly, I, I can't, I'm not too concerned because you're taking a crack. If you're looking at Mike Jasicki as your tight end, you're in a struggling situation already. And I think Mike Jasicki is probably, unless you want to go grab a guy like Cole Komet, he's probably yeah. your best tight end option that you have. So, yeah, I was going to say, I'd probably take Cole Komet right now over him. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, man. What well, does this for studs and duds this week? Um, so to round out this episode, we'll hit you with uh, some key takeaways that we took away from this week's action. So without further ado, I'll hand it off to you, Tyler. Man, what you uh, taking away from Week Nine's action? Yeah. Um. So this team got a huge upset win this past week, and um, the one thing I continue to notice is how good this defense is. And that's the Jets defense. They are, in my opinion, the best defense in all of football right now. You look at what they've done over the last couple of weeks. They gave up 22 to the Patriots. Some of that was because of Zach Wilson turning the ball over, giving the Patriots short field. Like I said, they beat the Bills 17 points to the Bills, didn't have a touchdown in the second half, nine points to the Broncos, 10 points to the Packers, 17 to the Dolphins. What this team has done over the past couple of weeks has been pretty remarkable. Um, and Sauce Gardner's turning into one of, if not the best cornerback in football. But Quinnen Williams is an absolute dog as well. And DJ Reed on the other side of Sauce Gardner allows Sauce to have those big moments because of how good he's been playing as well. I really, really like this team. The quarterback on the defense, CJ Mosley's playing great, had some credible hits across the middle as well. Brandon um, Eccles one on. having a kind of decent year. Yeah. Former Cat. Eccles is having a great year. Yep. Oh. So what I have moving forward is that this is a team – that is to be feared uh, because of this defense. They're going to play low-scoring, slugfuss-type games. Um, I think they're a playoff team, in my opinion, um, and I think they can make some noise at the playoffs because what do they do well? They run the ball well. They play defense well. What are two things that travel in the NFL no matter where you're playing? Running the ball, playing defense, and that's where they can beat any opponent anywhere, any type of weather, um, and we saw it this past week against the Bills. So, yeah, I love this Jets team. I Like I said, I know there's hype over the Cowboys defense, but I think this is the number one defense in all of football. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that people were writing off, especially Jaden, uh, after the injury to Brees Hall. And you mentioned it. They can still run the ball really fucking good. I mean, MCJ looks awesome. I've always been a Michael Carter Jr. advocate. Uh, James Robinson's now there. He's yeah, got to get another week in practice to get fully implemented into the offense. Uh, he did score a touchdown this week, um, but isn't fully under the scheme of things yet. But once you got James Robinson and MCJ, I feel fine about the Jets. And you mentioned it with the probably the best defense in football, right? So uh, my key takeaway going forward in the rest of the season and for the foreseeable future, Pete Carroll and John Schneider, GM and head coach for the Seattle Seahawks, have secured their jobs in Seattle for the foreseeable future until further notice. Uh, this is a thing that we were talking about a lot over the offseason and even um, midway through the season last year is how much longer that would Pete Carroll and John Schneider be in Seattle. And it looked almost guaranteed that at one point that they would both be headed out of town when Russell Wilson was really struggling, but that could not be farther from the truth now. This team is rolling. They have four consecutive wins, uh, the first time since Russ left. Uh, for, well, first time since 2020 when he was actually healthy. Uh, but they're first in the division right now in the NFC West with teams like the Rams, who fucking made the, won the Super Bowl last year, the 49ers made the playoffs, the Cardinals. Like, these are teams before the year you couldn't fathom that Seattle would be winning the division right now. They stand at an 89% chance to make the playoffs. And get this, they have the six best odds to win the fucking Super Bowl right now, according to Football Outsiders. And honestly, I'm with it because of the... The, tra the route to the Super Bowl through the NFC is not going to be that difficult. And once you make it to the Super Bowl, like whatever, you might draw a Cincinnati Bengals matchup out of the AFC. And like, or something like that from last year, where it was a team that kind of just unperformed going in. And if you draw the right matchup in the Super Bowl, don't run into a juggernaut like the Chiefs or Bills. You could walk away with the Super Bowl for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think. I wouldn't necessarily say that the NFC is an easy path, but it is, I would say, easier than the AFC. I mean, still got the Eagles. Vikings have been winning, you know, very close games, and you still got the Cowboys. But outside of that, you know, Bucks don't look great. The um, the Giants have had their flaws at times as well, even though I know that they're 6-2 and two and flying high. 49ers don't sleep on the 49ers. I know that they're in their division, but I still think that the 49ers can win that division. Um, when it's all said and done. But yeah, you know, big kudos to the Seahawks and what they've been able to do this year because we all thought that they were going to be 
you know, fighting for that final pick. I mean, for, for that first pick, trying to get a new quarterback, start this whole rebuild. And boy, have they proved us wrong. Yeah, and then set up great for the rest of the year. I mean, two of their remaining seven opponents have winning records, so you'd love to see that. And as far as, like, the GM side and this team, like, organizationally, looks a lot better than it did this time last year because you had great draft picks in Kenny Walker and Tariq Woolen. And you get more draft picks next year. Exactly. Like, you make two fantastic picks there, two guys who will probably define the Seattle Seahawks for the next few years. Uh, you got a bargain quarterback in Geno Smith who's leading you to the playoffs. Um, you could have Drew Locke succeed him afterwards if he's ready for it, but, I mean, you're going to have draft picks, so you can definitely figure out something there. You've got staples on the defense and Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks. And Tyler Lockett said it last week, and I mentioned this on the podcast last week, but I just want to say it again because I, like – you never heard, you never saw this with Russ in town, but Lockett, DK, and Gino were all at the podium uh, after two weeks ago's dub. And Tyler Lockett in his hoodie was like, It's amazing what you can accomplish when nobody's looking to take the credit. And I was like, Damn, this is a completely fucking new Seattle Seahawks team under the same head coach and the same GM that they've had since the Legion of Boom days. So, and I think it's going to keep rolling now. Oh, that's my takeaway. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. I think that, you know, at first we were like, all right, maybe this is just a little bit of a fluke. But, man, what they've been able to do, you you, you got to stop doubting them anymore. Ain't nobody right back. But Gino's writing his own script right now. Hell yeah, dude. What it? Everybody's writing me off, but I'm not writing back. I fucking love that, dude. That's That, that was awesome. Um. Yeah, man, that does it for uh, key takeaways and studs and duds from week nine. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to hop into our power rankings, and then we'll have that episode out. But this episode will be out tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, we'll see you guys for power rankings, though. Peace out.